to another great episode of The Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Brian, where they talk bourbon and, of course, drink bourbon. Grab yourself a pour, kick back, and enjoy another trip down the bourbon road. It's never too early to start planning your trip to the Bourbon Trail for 2023. We hope you'll join the Bourbon Road crew as we pull out all the stops this year at Bourbon on the Banks. So mark your calendars for October 6th and 7th, and we'll plan on seeing you in Frankfort, Kentucky. Be sure to listen in during the halftime break for all the details on Bourbon on the Banks. Hello and welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Bourbon Road Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Shannon, and in the studio tonight, we've got kind of a very special fellow who's been on the show before. It's been a while, but uh, we thought it's uh, pretty important to bring him back because it just seems like uh, recently his name and his product name has been popping up a lot, uh, either in Bourbon Road episodes or in events that we've been at. So uh, I definitely wanted to bring back... Michael Myers from 291 Distillery. Michael, welcome back to the Bourbon Road Podcast. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We uh, we did have you on in episode 25. Uh, I'm going to say that was sometime back in early 2018. And uh, I, I think I've seen you out and about a few times in between and we've chatted, but uh, we haven't had you back on an actual episode. And now we're I think this one's going to be something like 335. So it's 310 <laughs> episodes later. We got all kinds of catching up to do. Uh, Emily, what was she your director of marketing? Pretty much. Okay. She was, I, I don't know. I don't know her exact title. It's changed a couple of times. And uh, Emily takes care of all kinds of shit for us. Yeah. Well, she was, <laughs> she was great to work with. She managed. She's standing over here. <laughs> Well, she's great to work with. She was an absolute pleasure. Uh, we worked through a couple of difficult things to uh, with uh, shipment to get everything in place. And uh, it was really nice to see those whiskey show up today. And I was quite uh, pleasantly surprised by what she sent and the nice little note she wrote. So uh, awesome. if she doesn't get on camera tonight, make sure you give her a big thank you for me. I appreciate all her help. I will. And I appreciate all that she does for 291. It's amazing. So. I have an amazing team. So I'd like to kind of get straight to the whiskey here tonight. And in our first glass, we're going to take one of the four bottles you sent. And we're just going to kind of start logically at the lowest proof, I guess. But all your whiskeys are pretty hefty in proof. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's in our glass to start with here? So this is bourbon uh, single barrel barrel proof. Um, it is one, the one you have is 126, yeah, you said? Yeah, it's 126.1. Um, the one I have is 136.8. Um, that means it's a little older in the barrel than yours, most likely. Um, the proof changes by age quite a bit here in Colorado. Um, it's a bourbon. It's 80% corn, 19% malt rye, 1% malt barley. It's actually my very first experiment and my very first recipe ever. Um, actually, it changed by 1%. The 1% malt barley originally wasn't in there. It was 20% malt rye. 
and I took 1% out and put the malt barley in there um, early on. But uh, it was the very first mash bill I did. I um, uh, was going to mash in over the weekend. Um, Mike Bristol, Bristol Brewing Company, had given me a bag of corn, went down to the home brew shop. I knew I needed malt um, and I wanted to use rye and they had rye malt. So I got enough to do an 80-20 mashed in. Um, fermented and then um, distilled it and turned out really, really pretty. So um, we make it daily here. Um, we make the rye and the bourbon daily. So, All right. Well, let's check this out and we'll talk a little bit more about the details after the sip. Cheers. Cheers. One thing for sure, when you're when you're raising a a, a Glencairn with 120 plus proof whiskey in it to your nose, you don't take a deep a deep long breath. You are kind of very gentle with it, and, and this has a nice uh, sort of a caramel spicy nose to it. It's got a lot of uh, kind of that rye spice boldness, and and that's amazing because we're talking about 20 percent malt rye here, and a lot of times right. malted rye are a little bit softer than the than their uh, non malted counterparts, right? They are. They're a little softer, a little sweeter. Um, and, but there's, my whiskey has a lot of spice. Um, and you know, when I, when I set out to start 291 and, um, I wanted to make a Western whiskey, something big, bold, and beautiful like the state of Colorado. And I think both the bourbon and rye do that. Actually, I think almost all my whiskeys that I've made ha- have that effect. And, they're just really pretty. You know, I love Kentucky bourbon and I love Tennessee whiskey and, and a lot of the other whiskeys now. Um, but I, I was going to make a Western whiskey in Colorado and, and I wanted it to be different. And I think it is a very different whiskey that is really nice to drink. The different notes come from the yeast we use, the grain we use, the shape of the still that I built, um, designed and built. And then just the barrels and the dryness here in Colorado. On the palate, it just it has that initial real sweet impression, but um, it doesn't fool you for very long with that sweetness. It gets on the back of your palate and introduces itself with a firm handshake. It's got a, it's got a lot of spice on it. Definitely, uh, rye is is uh, in charge, even though it's got a, a majority of corn content in it. But this is a this is definitely a bourbon whiskey. You can taste that that caramel sweetness to it. It's a little bit more of a molasses here. This is a dark whiskey too. It's um, almost a mahogany in color. And I'm looking at all your whiskeys here, and they're all very dark. This is probably the lightest of the three in the big bottles, and it's still a pretty pretty good colored whiskey. It's nice and dark. Thank you. Yeah, the um, we use the barrel mill out of Avon, Minnesota, and have from day one, and. And their barrels, for me, put a really nice color in my whiskey and, and notes as well. But um, I've been very, very happy with their barrels and what it does for my whiskey. I want to take another sip here and sort of try to analyze the finish a little bit. You know, I like a, I like a heavy mouthfeel in a whiskey. I'm not a big fan of thin, more refined whiskey, you know, um, Western whiskey to me should be rugged, refined, rebellious, you know, and um, I think I think 291 is very much 
that type of whiskey. Yeah, it has a nice viscous mouthfeel to it, a little bit silky. Um, when it hits the back of the palate, it kind of really sticks to the to the back of your tongue and to the and sort of to the sides of your your palate on the back. It it kind of hangs in there. It's got a nice long finish on it. It's got a wonderful um, deep peppery rye spice on it. And uh, I'm just surprised again. Now, 20% rye is a lot of rye, folks. I'm not saying that, you know, rye doesn't have an opportunity to be a big player in this, just being only 20%, because 20% is a high rye, you know, bourbon. It does have a lot of rye, and it, it you know, that rye is has a lot of character to it compared to corn, you know. And so I think that's what helps it stand up to the corn, you know, the 80% corn. But you get it back up front in your, in your mouth again, and it and it's still got that wonderful sweetness. On the back, it seems a little more tannic and dry, but only because uh, when I say tannic and dry, I don't say bitter or in a bad way. It's just got that. This would make a good cigar whiskey. You know, it's got that real nice, uh, heavy lay on the back of the palate, a little bit of uh, uh, impression back there. And I just think it would uh, stand up to. Well, a lot of things. It would certainly stand up to a cigar. I think it would stand up to a cocktail in an amazing way. Uh, it would probably make a great black Manhattan. <laughs> I laugh at that because my my drink, if I'm if I'm mixing a drink, it's a black Manhattan. <clears throat> but I normally do it with the rye and Averna. Um, it's an amazing cocktail. But one day um, I was doing an event or something, and somehow just barrel proof bourbon got shipped. It was a friend's um, group birthday, um, 60th birthday. And, and I was like, Oh no, well, let's just try it. And the bourbon in the Averna. Okay. It, it became a sweet, even more sweet cocktail, but, but as a black Manhattan, the bourbon really stood up and, and I was very impressed. It, it made it a different cocktail, not, just slightly, but a different cocktail. And um, I really was impressed with it because I had not tried bourbon in, in that Black Manhattan. Yeah, no, I think I've had a Black Manhattan both ways. I believe I've had it with Aperol and Averna. And personally, I'm going to say that uh, I think with bourbons, maybe the Averna would be my favorite. And maybe with Rise, Aperol, or I, uh, I do enjoy them. I mean, I, I, I like a good old-fashioned but if you drink old fashions all the time it's nice to have a, a manhattan once in a while and a black manhattan is just a real stout drink and i like it a lot so so michael we did have you on the show before and i know a little bit about your story but i think we've got a lot of listeners today who uh are maybe new to the show and or maybe new to 291 whiskey altogether and would like to hear a little bit about kind of how you got started and where the idea came from, how you ended up in Colorado and making whiskey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did. I know in the first, um, podcast we did together, I told my story and I enjoy telling my story. It doesn't change too much. Um, there are little things that change or, you know, maybe I leave something out, but, um, I was a, fashion beauty photographer in New York and nine 11 changed my life. I lived three blocks from world trade center was on Greenwich and Dwayne when the first plane hit and with my youngest son on my shoulders and <clears throat> went through that whole day and it was crazy. And, um, got to a point where we needed to 
get out of New York um, that that week. I mean, we couldn't get back in our apartment. So my wife's um, parents lived in Colorado Springs, my ex-wife. And um, so we came out here and I started commuting back for photography and put the kids in school and, and commuted for a while and got to a point where I was like, okay, I've got to do something different. Um, this isn't good for my family and, and the travels a lot. So I, I was flying back uh, from a Vanity Fair shoot, reading the New York Times about the guy that created Hendrix Gin and Sailor Jerry and thought I could brand a whiskey and got back to the Springs and talked to some people. And somebody said, why don't you try and make it first? You know, um, and I'm like, I'm from Georgia. They make it in the woods. How hard could it be? <laughs> and, and that's the truth. And I, um, so I, I'm totally self-taught, uh, YouTube documentary books, um, and, and decided I needed a still talk to Vendome and they had a 50 gallon still that was $50,000. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of money to start this. And, um, so I decided I could build my own still and, needed copper and i had these photogravure plates so a flat copper plate you chemically etch an image in you ink the plate put a piece of paper with it run it through a press and you get an inked photograph and took these seven plates drew a design for the still had the plates water jet cut rolled them through a metal roller to curve them and then took them to this guy al and had them tig welded together to build a 45 gallon still and i started in 300 square feet um, that still had a thump keg with it. Um, and, and I had a stripping still that I had built out of fifth, out of a 55 gallon stainless drum. And so all my whiskeys, three times pot distilled. Um, I have a 300 gallon finish still now and the thump keg to that is my original 45 gallon still. Um, and, and started in this 300 square foot space. And like I said, the first, um, so that very first batch I did uh, went through an Ambilic still. Um, and so I stripped it and then ran it through a really small and just got like a few bottles. Um, but that was my, you know, that was the one and only experiment I did. And the next um, batch was the bourbon again. And um, I, you know, stripped it bigger batch and ran it through the 45 gallon still and, and, the whiskey came off and was really beautiful and um, just started making it and knew I was going to make a rye whiskey as well. And so um, rye was my favorite. Um, the bourbon just was the first one because of the bag of corn I had. So I got some rye um, and my rye is 61% malt rye, 39% corn and ran that one. And that's my second recipe, my second experiment. And it turned out beautiful. Took the white whiskey over to my friend at the bar next door. And he made a white Manhattan with it that was an incredibly, incredible drink. Just screaming um, with uh, the white dog, Lillet, um, some maraschino liqueur, and some absinthe. And it just is a really pretty drink. And um, that white dog um, this year, you know... Uh, World Whiskey Awards for Whiskey Magazine won Best American New Make or Young Spirit. Um, that's the second time it's won that award. My Fresh 291 Fresh, which is the bourbon unaged, um, 
is has won it twice too. So four years in a row, we've won Best American New Make or Young Spirit, and um, that's been really great. Um, but I could make sixty gallons a month in that space, and um, then we moved to the space you visited that was sixty five hundred seven thousand square feet. Um, <clears throat> we moved to that, and now we're in twenty six thousand square feet. What's behind me? And we're, um, we can make 600 gallons, uh, a week. Um, so quite different. So that's a big jump from what you had. I mean, that's a, that's a major increase in production capacity. You, you feel, yeah. you feeling like you got a little bit of room to breathe when you move to that bigger still? <laughs> um, yeah, I did. Um, the stills a 300 gallon still, um, I have two, um, stripping stills those are what are behind me um 1500 gallons and and all the equipment i have manu or most of the equipment i have manufactured here in the springs um some dod guys i met that have this most amazing machine shop um have built or fabricated the stripping stills for me and the finished still um and a couple other things the the fermentation tanks um are out of St. Louis. Uh, they're oak fooders. Um, they're very nice. And, and then two of them are here. They're Cypress from Alabama. Um, those were the first ones I got before I found the fooders. Um, but yeah, the space, um, is, you know, (laughs) it's kind of funny. It's, it's a big space and, but there's a, you feel like there's not enough room when you start looking at numbers and what you, you know, hope to do with the company and, and get the whiskey to, you know, 28 States and things like that. Our glass manufacturer is holding, I think 85,000 pieces of glass for us right now. And, um, that equals a 107 pallets, which is five truckloads. And, uh, I looked at my COO, when we got that email and I'm like, where are we going to put 107 pallets? Um, you know, the 300 square foot space I was in, I had built shelves that could hold one pallet of the bottles I used at the time. And it was great, very efficient, very ship shape. Um, but, but to think about from that space to now where I'm talking about 107 pallets, you know, is, is, crazy I, I guess if you're doing things right you're kind of always in a constant state of expansion right you're always looking for more space you're always looking for more capacity and of course you're always looking for more customers so i think if, yeah if you're doing it right you should always be kind of be in that mode and hopefully um you're able to i guess hit a plateau rest for a while and then get going again and uh, it, it, you know eventually you'll be in some crazy huge facility with stills everywhere and trucks popping in and out three or four times a day. So you probably have uh, quite a few shipments coming in and going out on a regular basis already, but it, it can only get bigger. Yeah, and, and, and yes, and we're incredibly tiny. Um, you know, we, we have a big presence and, and you spoke about that, that we're popping up a lot more. Um, we've done very well. My team's done very well in, in, keeping us on the front and people knowing who are wanting to learn about who 291 is. And um, so that's, that's amazing. But, you know, we sold um, 5,000 nine liter cases last year. Um, 
and and that's in the scheme of things that is tiny um and we're looking to grow we love it we you know um all our equipment works really beautiful and and the whiskey's just as you're tasting tonight as good as it's ever been and and we we have some special things that we're going to taste later too um that one of them's a new label um which i'm excited about and then um Another one is an experimental batch. We did actually it's uh, four years, eight months old. So we did it around that 2018, you know, uh, time period is when we distilled it. So that you were talking about. Right. So I just poured some of the uh, Colorado whiskey in my glass. This is the 291 single barrel barrel proof Colorado whiskey. My bottle in particular is at 129.1 proof. And yeah, uh, we have the same whiskey. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, tell our listeners what a Colorado whiskey is. Big, bold, and beautiful, like the state of Colorado. Um, for me, um, this is my rye mash bill, 61% malt rye, 39% corn. It does not say, it says rye on the label, very small, but um, it doesn't say the, the small batch of this recipe says rye on the label says 291 Colorado rye whiskey. I didn't want rye on the label originally. And so this is my whiskey. This is the single barrel barrel proof 291 Colorado whiskey is the whiskey I set out to make. It's a rye, like I said. Um, And it's, it's just a really pretty spicy whiskey. If you've been to Colorado, you know how beautiful it is. You know how rugged it is. And, and unforgiving in some places sometimes. Um, and, and this is, this rye is very much that. All right. Well, let's check it Cheers. out. Cheers. Yeah. It's a little more floral on the nose than the bourbon was a little less sweet, but it's got a nice candy punch of sweetness up front, but uh, definitely the, the rye toast and, a little bit of a kind of a stone fruit palette to it. It yep. it does have a little bit of a kind of an anise along with a little bit of an earthy kind of note to it. I think the uh, the malted rye and I've been on kind of a malted rye only because I got a very good friend who's a big big lover of malted rye and he's had me on this malted rye kick lately and they are kind of catching on. My palate's mm-hmm. catching on to them and this is a a fine example of a whiskey with a good portion of malted rye in it. And now all your whiskeys say Aspen wood stave finished. Yes. And I actually received uh, from Emily a piece of asp- an Aspen wood that was charcoaled. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? So <clears throat> when I started it, um, I'm not traditional, but I look at tradition and think about it and, you know, I wanted Aspen on the label because what's synonymous with Colorado is Aspen. And so um, originally with the fresh 291 fresh, I looked at uh, charcoal mellowing with Aspen charcoal. So that's where that started. And then I moved to um, aging whiskey in a barrel and I was like, okay, well, why not finish that whiskey some way? And so I thought Aspen, you know, charcoal or, or toasted Aspen, staves would be a nice finish maybe and and so i did an experiment where i put some in a mason jar with the you know whisk whiskey without it whiskey with it 
and um, did a test for about a couple hours, shaking it and tasted it. And it's a very slight change to the whiskey. It's it's a very nice change, but it's very slight. It adds a little spice, a little smoke, and and pushes caramel notes a little more to the maple. Um, and my distiller Eric Jett, um, it has a very broad palate. He's able to taste something and relate it quickly to an experience he's had. So he can go in more depth about that. Um, but, but for me, that's what it originally did. And, and I kind of like that. And so I went ahead and made it where all our whiskeys are finished, um, on Aspen wood, toasted Aspen wood. Um, the fresh is charcoal mellowed. The only whiskey that we have that doesn't have anything done with it, with the, uh, Aspen is the white dog, uh, two nine one Colorado rye whiskey, white dog. Um, and that it just kind of slipped through the cracks. I don't know why I didn't do that. Um, well, I, I have to say that this, there's, there's nothing else on planet earth, like the two ninety one Colorado whiskey. It has a flavor profile, all of its own. You're not going to find anything like it. It's, uh, it's something you, if you haven't tried, you really ought to try. I, I, I can't explain kind of the, the flavor layer combination that I'm getting on my palate when I drink it, because there's a lot, I think there's a lot going on there. Um, I wish I had a more advanced palate where I could pick it apart. Some people can do that. I'm not, I'm not that guy, uh, but I can't tell you that I like it. Now I like it an awful lot. I think I've had it before. In fact, I know if I, if I look on the top shelf behind me, I think, but it's been a minute since I visited that bottle. And I think the profile seems a little different to me today than it did before. Like maybe you've refined your process a little bit, or maybe just, I've got a very poor memory, but it just, or maybe my, <laughs> maybe my palate has just moved on from where it was before. So, uh, I'm loving this. I'm really, really, oh, really you. liking this one a lot. Not that I didn't like your bourbon. I thought your bourbon was fantastic, but this Colorado whiskey is something special. It really is. Thank you. Yeah, that was that's a very high compliment that it doesn't taste like anything else. And and I agree with you. Um it's a really really nice whiskey, really pretty. Um for a rye, you know, and we like to say it's a bourbon drinker's rye because of the heavy corn content in it, but um it's it's just a nice whiskey. Yeah, a good whiskey. Yeah, we had a every year we like to finish up the year by naming a kind of a whiskey of the year, craft distillery of the year kind of deal. And and then our first episode out of the gate in the next year is usually a blind bottle share. And we had one this last year and one of the guests on the show blindly blinded your bottle of Colorado whiskey into the show. And we had some nice. we had some pretty heavy hitters in there, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and we scored them on a multi-point basis. And by the end of the show, uh, there was only one, one individual point separating the winner and 291 Colorado whiskey. So it was very, wow. very close. Now, uh, in that particular night, uh, you took second place, but on another night, it could have been first. So, right. I mean, it was just a fantastic episode and it really, that's, and I mentioned earlier in the show that you're popping up on our radar, right? We're seeing, we're seeing things happen. And, and that was definitely one of them that got us to thinking it's about time to talk to Michael again, for sure. Thank you. 
Yeah, the interesting thing about my whiskey is, or about 291, um, I call it my whiskey. It's actually my whole team and 291. But um, is that, you know, more and more now, you know, it's been 11 and a half years, more and more people are tasting different whiskeys that aren't just Kentucky bourbon or Tennessee whiskey or Indiana, you know, whiskey. Um, originally, you know, my whiskey was so different than Kentucky traditional bourbon that people sometimes the first taste, they're like, Whoa, I don't know about that, you know? And, and it takes them a moment to go back and revisit it, you know, and usually when they revisit it, they go, wow, okay. Uh, my palate's grown and I really like this, you know? Um, and, and that's with anything, you know, you, you look clothing, you, somebody tries something new, with a suit or something. And you're like, mm, I don't know about that. And then, you know, a year later and everybody's wearing that suit that's changed like that. So, um, I think whiskey is very similar to that. And, and that's the nice thing about the craft movement and, um, emerging brands like 291 is, you know, um, shaking things up a little bit and pushing the limits and, and pushing people to do things that are a little different than, what traditionally has always been done. And, and, and I think that just makes the whiskey that much better throughout the world. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, Michael, we're kind of up on a break now, folks. We're going to take uh, just a short little break and Michael and I will finish our pour of uh, the 291 single barrel Colorado whiskey. When we come back, we've got a couple more bottles to try. Both these next two expressions are Uh, whiskeys that I haven't had before, so I'm really excited to try them. So stick around. We'll be right back. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we hope you'll join us this fall on October 6th and 7th for Bourbon on the Banks. The festival itself is from 2 to 6 p.m. on October the 7th, and you can pick those tickets up at bourbononthebanks.org for $65. They also have an early access ticket for $75. It'll get you in an hour early and definitely get you access to some special pours. But if you always like that VIP access, this year they're bringing in the VIP access tickets. We'll give you access to their VIP tent and all the great things that go along with that for $175. Be sure to check out bourbononthebanks.org to get all the details on this year's event. back folks first half we had a couple of really really good whiskeys i have to say that i'm going to raise my hand and say the colorado whiskey was my favorite but uh the bourbon was just uh delightful as well i think the reason that the colorado whiskey the single barrel that you sent to me kind of got my attention is because its flavor profile is just so unique it's something that Um, You say, you know, I've never had anything like this before, and I probably won't find anything like this unless I buy another bottle of 291. So that's the kind of stuff I love. You know, I really like it. I mean, every now and then I'll walk into a bar and uh, 
and you know the bartender will say, "Hey, pick something off the bar. You can have whatever you want." And and that's nice when that happens. But usually, I'm I'm not looking for the pappy. I'm not looking for the high you know allocated bottle. I'm looking for that uh, that bottle that I haven't had before. That that expression that didn't make it on my bar yet that I really like to try. And and this is one of them. I mean, I've had it before, but it's been so long. But now we've got a new whiskey in our glass. This is one I haven't had, so uh, getting a little bit of goosebumps here. Michael, why don't you tell us what's in our glass? So uh, what's in your glass is the label is uh, 291 All Rye. This is batch one, and and there's uh, 1,303 bottles of it. Um, and it is 100% malt rye. Um, there are two malts in it. Um, one is from Root Shoot here in Colorado. And the other one is Wireman out of Germany. And and the reason Wireman is when I started, you know, this and I went to get rye malt, um, nobody was malting uh, rye in Colorado. So I picked up the German malt and the, the notes in that malt are very different than Root Shoots um, Colorado malt. So we haven't shifted our main recipes to Colorado rye malt because of the different flavor profile. But we did do an experiment. And, and originally, the first 100% rye malt that I did was... Um, so we have a, a label called 291E, and that's our experimental batch. It's a big gold E on, that, on the label. And um, every batch is totally different. I think we're on batch 11, working on batch 12 right now. But batch three was 100% malt rye. Um, I wanted to see what it tastes like, and, and it came off the still. It's really pretty and sweet, and it's amazing how sweet malt rye is. And so Eric and I got talking, and I was like, let's do an experiment with the you know 100% um, Wireman, 100% root shoot malt, and different barrel, still the barrel mill barrels, but not not marrying the whiskey together, but, but aging it in separate barrels. And we did. And, um, about a year ago, maybe not a year, six months ago, we were tasting them and we blended them and tasted them and was like, they're really good together. Really, really good together. So we decided to do a new label and that's where this all rye came from. And I, um, on the bottom of the, bottle it has a sticker that says all rye all rye all rye all rye and, all right. um, <laughs> is that matthew mcconaughey kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's a nod that way um i do own the trademark which is really nice um but but we're really excited about this whiskey and like you said it's 100 what 32.6 proof um and and it's it's a really good different but really good whiskey. And, and again, with 291, the, the 291 profile thread goes through all our whiskey. Um, you, you, when you taste our whiskey, you, you know that it's 291, um, no matter what expression it is. So when somebody's uh, doing a blind guess the distillery challenge, they probably have a good, pretty yeah. good with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more and more. I've had a couple of people, journalists that do judging and stuff, and and they're like, 
yeah, it's interesting when people go, oh, yeah, that's 291. I guarantee it. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, yeah. right? But, yeah. um, for me, it's a good thing. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Wow, it's got a nice buttery nose on it. Def- definitely got kind of a an earthy, spicy rye note to it. Boy, that does not seem like it's over 130 proof. <laughs> no, it does not. Man, that's that's like cream. Not sweet orange, but a nice orange note right in the middle of your tongue between your teeth that comes through. And a really nice cream creaminess to it. It's almost got this uh, this silky smoothness, like you're drinking like a heavy liqueur or something. But that's just the texture of it. It's very, uh, very nice and velvety, silky, which is really different usually for a high proof whiskey because of the dryness. Absolutely, but it doesn't seem super dry to me. Like it doesn't hit the back of my palate and dry me out. It doesn't have that uh, that sort of um, yeah that that dry feel on the back of the palate. It's very well balanced, very smooth across the palate. Does not appear at all to be like a hundred and thirty two proof. Thank you. It it's got a nice all around sweetness to it that is. Uh, it's not sugary sweet. It's kind of a uh, you know, grain sweetness. I mean, I, I love it. I, I really like this a lot. I'm a big rye guy, and this this right here uh, kind of tips the scales a little bit for me. It's something I haven't had again. So, thank you. Yeah, and it's you know for a rye, it's not very spicy. You know, uh, I think the bourbon was spicier earlier. Yeah, this is more. Balanced and easy for 132 proof. This is kind of an easy sipper, and that kind of that's that shouldn't be that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scary, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so when you had the two, so this is kind of a blend of two ryes, right? That you you kind of mentioned you had two different grain bills. Well, they're both ryes, but they're both malted ryes, but they're from different sources, right? Different malt houses. Were they vastly different? The two? Yes. Yeah, they taste vastly different. So they they both brought kind of their best assets to the table when they were blended. They did. Um, they they really balanced each other out in a really nice way um, because there were certain notes that popped up in each of them separately that that just made them not as special, I guess. And and then when they were blended or married um they they just balanced each other out really nicely and you know filled the filled the valleys and pushed the peaks off a little bit and um yeah made a really nice whiskey yeah i'm gonna really have a great time uh introducing a few people to this bottle who who visit the bourbon road bar uh this is going to be a pretty popular bottle. I'm going to say amongst my uh, my close drinking buddies. So I'm <laughs> pr- pretty excited to do that. You mentioned that you're in a number of states. D- did you say it's close to 25 states? 28, 28, somewhere in there. Am, am I am I pushing it to ask you to rattle them off, or is that something that uh, they just need to go to the website for? Twenty twenty eight is going to be tough. Yeah, but I can I can start. You know, I can go Florida. 
Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, um, Louisiana, uh, Arkansas, uh, Kansas. Let's go back. Um, I don't know, Virginia, um, New York, New Jersey, uh, Illinois, Indiana, um, California, Oregon, uh, Nevada. Emily's trying to give me a little bit of help here. Um, Colorado. Of course. <laughs> Can't of forget course. that one, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Wyoming, a little bit. Kentucky. 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 I thought I said Kentucky. He, he, Maybe I did. It's worth saying twice. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and some of these states we ship pallets to, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said Georgia, home state. Um, and some of them were with LibDib distribution and we ship, you know, sell a pallet. I mean, not a pallet, sell a case and ship a case. So, um, you know, it's not like there's a, it's all over the shelves in all these states. Some of them it's on the shelves quite a bit and some of them it's not. And we're growing as fast as we can and as fast as we can make it and, you know, bottle it and produce it and get it, get it on a truck. Now, are you able to sell it out of the distillery and ship it as well? Uh, we cannot ship out of the distillery, but we can, we sell out of the tasting room. And luckily in Colorado, you know, we're not limited to how much we can sell that way. We, we do have an online presence um, on our website in Sealbox, um, Sealbox, um, and you can order it but it has to go through because of three tiered sure. distribution and all that it has to go. So we sell it to our distributor. They sell it to a liquor store that's able to ship in your area. And that's how it works through our website. And then uh Sealbox is out of DC and they ship out of there and they have a lot of our allocated whiskey or not a lot. They have some of our allocated whiskey on their website. <clears throat> so and all right, I think they're picking up all right. Well, that's fantastic. So all right, all right, I think is going to be sold in Colorado and Texas. Um, I think we're shipping a few 300 and something bottles to Texas. Um, but other than that, most of it's out of Colorado or on, on the website. But you'll be able to get it on uh, seal box. Yep. Awesome. Well, that's good for a lot of our listeners because I know a lot of our listeners do watch Sealbox to see what they can get their hands on. So very, very good. I, I would highly recommend if you can get your hands on a bottle of this All Rye. If you've got even just a little bit of a kind of a palate that likes malted rye, I would say that this one is kind of the kind of at the top of the heap there. It kind of expresses that malted rye as best as anything can. So give it a shot. All right, all right, all right. Or all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm kind of excited to try this uh, this last bottle that you sent. Now, this is not a standard 291 750 ml bottle. This is uh this is a sample bottle. Yeah, so what what did you get a 375? I got a uh 4 ounce sample bottle, oh, like yeah. a Boston like I, round, yeah. So this was this is interesting um, whiskey. Like I said, this is um, single malt. Um, we we distilled it about five years ago. 
put in barrels. We um, just wanted to do it. I wanted to do a single malt for a uh, e-batch at some point. And so a couple of years ago, we popped the bungs on them, tasted them and was like, oh, it's good. And we had some wheat whiskey at the time that was good. And we married them or blended them and um, made a really nice E out of them. Um, but we had fewer barrels of the E, I mean, of the wheat than we did of the single malt. So we took the right amount to make a really nice blend and put those in bottles. And we had about eight barrels of, of the single malt left over. And Eric's like, what are we doing with those? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's sit on them. We'll see. Just put them back somewhere and we'll look at them. We'll taste them in a little while, see what happens to them. And um, I guess uh, a month, six weeks ago, they were out. Eric brought them out for some reason or talked about them. I said, well, let's, let's pop the bung on them. Let's taste them. And we uh, popped the bung and, and there was one of them. We were way in the barrels and one of them was light and we were like, Oh, that must've been a leaky barrel. And so we uh, weighed the other ones and popped the bung and tasted them. And it was just really, really nice whiskey. And um, I'm like, what's the proof on this whiskey? And Eric got the proof meter and um, stuck it in the barrel and checked it out and, the first one I think was 143 proof. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and the next barrel is like 142. And we're like, wow. And I said, all right, you got to proof the light barrel. And my thought was it, it didn't leak. It just lost water. So it's lighter because it's alcohol, more alcohol than, than water. And that one proofed at 153 proof. Oh, my goodness. And I, I think if you're on our social media, we, we posted the meter at 153, um, which was crazy. But um, so I decided that we would marry the barrels together and make a blend. And, and what you have is that blend um, or married because um, it's all the same single malt made in our distillery. But um, yours is not proof down. Mine's proof down to about 130. Um, we wanted to make the best whiskey we can by either leaving it at high proof or proofing it down some. Well, I, so I mean, one one thirty is not low proof, but well, I appreciate you sending me the unproofed version at one hundred forty two point eight, and uh, it's been a it's been a minute since I had a hazmat, hazmat whiskey, but this definitely qualifies, and especially a single malt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially a single malt. <laughs> All right, so let's check it out. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, the nose does not like take you over or anything it's kind of a light nose on it i like that oh that's wonderful that's delightful (laughs) that is uh it says it's four years and nine months it tastes like it's 10 to 12 years it tastes like it's a very well-aged whiskey Thank you. Yeah, I took a bottle of this of 375 um, sample bottle to uh, Whiskey Magazine, American Whiskey Magazine, uh, American Whiskey Awards um, 
a week ago in Louisville and had uh, Steve Beal and Peggy No and um, Maggie and a few people taste it and they just were blown away yeah. what you're tasting the higher proof and um it's a it, now i wish i hadn't blended those other barrels with the wheat so i'd have a lot more yeah of it, but. I, I think it's i think it's definitely on the verge of magical it's very um refined and delicate but it's it's hazmat i mean it's 142 proof but it's just got this wonderful non-oppressive palette to it it's not blowing you out of the water it's very nice kind of soft yeah what i get from it um and yes all those words you're saying are exactly the same i feel the same about it um the nose or the the notes i get is straight up like golden raisin tobacco yeah yeah just this really pretty pretty whiskey yeah, it is it is a little dry, but um I think I want it that way. I think that's how I want this whiskey to be um soft and light and um yeah, the raisin and the tobacco but not like deep and dark. It's more um it's almost yeah, golden. Golden. Yeah, very refined. This could be a very, very, very expensive whiskey. You know what I'm saying? This could be something that would be treasured because it's very, um, for 142 proof, it's something that is just, it's really nice. Yeah. It's, it, for me, it's an incredibly unique whiskey. Yeah. Um, I, um, so this one will probably come out in the fall or late fall. Um, we're, we're going to hold it. We're going to put it in some competitions and, and release it, um, later in the year. Um, but we just released a E 11 and that's the bourbon, but we had a boiler breakdown. And so our boiler was red tagged. It was 25 year old boiler that had been in the brewery that we moved into. And, um, and so it took, 30 days to get a new boiler in and, um, and set up running. And so the whiskey, the bourbon sat in the fermentation for 30 days. And that whiskey is a unique, very good bourbon, very, very unique. And when I tasted that, I was like, okay, this is probably the most interesting beautiful whiskey I've ever tasted and and granted okay I'm biased it's my whiskey but if somebody handed it to me I would have been like the same I mean it just and then like a, a month later we're popping the bung on these single malts and tasting that and it just it blew me away um, this this whiskey is so special unique well balanced um, the the proof on it is amazing and and so yeah this whiskey these two whiskeys right now for me are the most interesting best whiskey i've ever tasted in my life well i hope you took really really good notes because uh <laughs> we, we we your customers are demanding that you uh reproduce this on a 
see reasonably regular schedule. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We, we, that's the problem with the E's is all our E's have won really nice awards. Uh, one one of them uh, a wheat, hundred uh, percent wheat. One world's best wheat from Whiskey Magazine. You know, um, the the hundred percent malt rye. Number three, Jim Murray gave 96 points, I believe. Um, one of them got, I think, 96 and a half points. So, uh, yeah, we keep we keep doing these experiments. And um, I do want to do a single malt at one point where it will have its own label. Um, we just, it's going to be a little while now because um, tasting this at, at almost five years old it makes me want to age it for at least that long. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and when you're, when you're bootstrapping a company, it's tough to be able to sit on whiskey for a long time and put a lot of it up and, and do things like that. But, but that's the nice thing that we are able to experiment and make amazing whiskeys that people get to taste. And hopefully some people sit on some bottles and don't, you know, drink it immediately. So. Well, I think they'll cherish this. If if they manage to get a, their hands on a bottle of this, they'll definitely cherish it. So I, I, I've got four ounces. I'm going to want to share it with as many people as I can. And I'm going to look for that bottle to come out when it does and try to get my hands on it. So, yeah. Awesome. So if, if somebody's coming to your distillery, they're visiting Colorado, they want to come to 291, uh, you know, what can they expect when they show up at the distillery? What's it like to to visit and take a tour and do a tasting and all those things? Yeah, so we want you to sign up online so you have a spot, especially if you're doing a tour and a tasting. You can come into the distillery, into the tasting room, and um, it's a it's a bar. Um, so you can order a cocktail. Um, you can do you can taste some of the whiskey before you order it if you haven't tasted it, but you can't do a full tasting uh, without a reservation or tour without a reservation. But um, it's a it's a Western bar. Um, a friend of mine built it for me. The the top of the bar is African mahogany, like some of the frames I made for my photographs. Um, and then the front of the bar and the wrap of the bar is uh, restore doors from the restore. And so they're actually one of them's a mahogany front door, but it looks like, you know, a regular bar. Um, there's no stools around the bar because it, I want it to be a Western standing bar. And I wanted that to be fluid when people came in, people leaning on the bar would move around and, and make it welcoming for people to come in and not feel on the outside. And that's worked really well. Um, and so, and then there's a back room um, where there's sofas, chairs, tables, and we have music. Music's going to start shortly tonight. Um, Grant Saban and a friend of his are going to play blues. Um, Grant is also one of our bartenders. He's an amazing musician and an amazing bartender. And um, and then a tour. You know, we're small facility, um, and you get a really nice tour from one of those guys. Um, from Emily to Grant to Maddie to James, somebody will give you a tour and um, tasting and, and get to see how we make it. Um, it's a very special. Um, it is not, it's not your normal distillery. It's, it's 
you know, um, I'm an artist, so it's, it's, there's a lot of art to it, um, and, and less mechanical, um, but, but really beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back out there and, and visiting your new facility. I was there uh, a number of years back at 2018, I think, and I got, I was at your smaller, uh, location, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. I, my, my son and his wife and my brand new grandson live in Colorado Springs, Oh, wow. They're, Wonderful. They live, well, you got to get here. I have to. They live right over by Bear Creek Park. So uh, when I get over there and visit, I'm going to come up and see you and maybe we'll sit down and have a have a black Manhattan together. And I would love that. And try some of your new whiskeys. That would be awesome. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. It's always nice to chat with you. I know I'm going to see you again this fall, possibly in September. You'll be at uh, probably the Kentucky Bourbon Festival or... Um, one of the concert series that happens during that time or, or something, you're usually bouncing around in, uh, in bourbon country somewhere, uh, in the yes, fall. I am. So we look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, folks, if you get a chance to pop in at uh, 291 distillery out in Colorado, uh, I highly recommend it. Where can they find you guys on the internet, on, uh, Facebook, on Instagram? What's your, uh, what's your location? So the handle's Distillery 291. Um, the website's, uh, you know, 291 Colorado Whiskey or distillery291.com. Um, and, and you know, you can Google it. You'll find us. Um, so, yeah, and please come, come visit. Uh, you, Jim, come and visit. Everybody that's listening, come, come see us. Um, I'm here not all the time. Um, the fall, I'm not here a lot, but, uh, there are times that you'll be there and I'll, I'll be drinking at the bar too. So come see us. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us tonight, Michael folks. You can find the bourbon road on all social media platforms at the bourbon road. You can also visit us on our website, the We also have a private Facebook group called the bourbon roadies, just about 3,500 really good friends that hang out, chit chat, talk about bourbon, uh, share pictures and stories, life events. It's just good people. We'd love to have you join. Just get on Facebook and uh, search out the Bourbon Roadies and uh, answer three questions to come in. And and uh, we'd love to say hey to you. Uh, you know, we get out and we do events too. If you see us in a liquor store, if you see us uh, at an event, make sure you walk up and say hi to us. Always love to meet our listeners. Always love to share a pour when we can. Uh, you know, we're out at events all the time and, and we're, we love to pop into liquor stores and, and walk up and down the aisles with our listeners. So if you see us, make sure you walk up to us. We do a show every single week on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have guests on like Michael here in distillery 291 and, and we'll deep dive a subject. Sometimes we'll have a musician on or a, an author. Sometimes it's, uh, a chef. It's always something fun. We're always drinking whiskey. Make sure you check us out every week. Subscribe to, on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. But until the next time, we will see you down the bourbon road. <laughs>